Return, if you have your Bibles, to Romans chapter 8. It will be on the screen if you need to look there. After Paul has acknowledged the war between the new creation, our new spirits, and the flesh, he begins chapter 8 by summarizing the entire Bible with the glorious good news. So um, we'll start in verse 1 and read through verse 8 this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, may your spirit take this word, the word of God, and apply it to our hearts, working faith in us or growing us in the grace and the faith that you have already worked in us. Empower me to preach your word in the power of the spirit. Use me as an instrument through which you pour your word out to your people. May your word run and be glorified. May we treasure it and hear it with delight and seek to understand it and live in its light. Bless the means of grace, Lord. Bless your word. Build your church. Do a mighty work in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen. How many of you still use paper maps? And kids are like, what? And you take a paper, how many of you can still, could fold a map back up? Right? After you unfold it and it turns into this massive thing and you plot your course and you've got everything figured out and then you have to fold it back exactly the way it was. They were a great tool. But not many people use paper maps anymore. Not many people can find the grocery store without their phone anymore, and that's, that's a problem. But a lot of people have a maps program on their phone. I, I, you know, just recently, I was going to a place that I had, had not been, so all I had to do was put that address in my maps program, and it plotted my course, and it told me, well, you can go this way if you want to, but it's going to take you longer. Go this way, and you'll get there. Right? And, and I, I listen to it. And by the way, have you ever noticed your maps program commands you? It bosses you around. 
It doesn't say if you think it's a good idea in 400 feet, turn left. In 400 feet, turn left. I think they even came out with a Grumpy Maps program. I couldn't find it. But it kind of raked you over the coals if you missed your turn or something. But the, the MAPS program gives us commands, not suggestions, for our good that we might get to our destination. See, a good MAP program gives us two, does two things for us. It helps us avoid danger and delay, Lord willing, that is between you and your destination. And it gives you the best and fastest route to your destination. So in most instances, they don't always work, do they? But in most instances, if you drive according to the MAPS program, if you heed its commands and directions, you get great directions to your desired destination. Today we're going to talk about a different and a far better guide and help. The Holy Spirit. The true Christian life is described in this text as walking according to the Spirit. And there's so much bad teaching about what life in the Spirit is these days. There's so, much, so many people just rooted in subjectivism and mysticism and detach it from the Word. That one of the things we'll try to do as we go through Romans chapter 8 is clarify some of that for you. And we'll talk more about it next week as we move on in the text. But today we just want to look at the, really verses 5 through 8, but it's, I'm a, it's, it's attached to the end of verse 4. Um, and so we'll look at the end of verse 4 through verse 8 and talk about walking according to the Spirit. What is that? What does that mean? Well, the main point we'll, we'll try to bring out of this text is walking according to the Spirit means putting off the mindset of the flesh and putting on the mindset of the Spirit. Putting off the mindset of the flesh and putting on the mindset of the Spirit. There's a, you know, that just, Ephesians tell it, the Christian life is about putting off and putting on, right? And that's what this text is walking us through and showing us our great help with the Spirit that, that gets us beyond that sort of stalemate with the new renewed little s spirit that's within us and the flesh or this mortal body that we still live in. We've talked a lot about that. I refer you back to the chapters in uh, previous messages. We've seen Paul show us that everyone needs a Savior. Christ is that Savior. We're justified by faith and faith alone in Christ such that we're pardoned for all our sins and declared righteous because His righteousness has been credited to us. We began in chapter 6 talking about sanctification and saw a good theology uh, foundation laid for our sanctification. And now we're moving on in that discussion and bringing the Spirit into the discussion. So today as we look at verses 4 through 8, we're going to see that walking according to the Spirit means putting off the mindset of the flesh and putting on the Spirit. So first, walking according to the Spirit means rejecting or putting off the mindset of the flesh. And the way I've broken this text down uh, for the sermon is there's this back and forth going on in the text. Flesh, right? Flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. So I've just kind of broken out the, the, the sections or the verses that talk about the flesh and then the ones that talk about the spirit. And then we'll make a contrast with, with, the, uh, with the end of this section 
um, and see what it means to walk according to the Spirit. So anyway, just give you a heads up. That's why it says 8-5-A. By the way, when you see things like that in commentaries or whatever, or people, when, when we say 8-5-A, we mean the first part of the verse. We say B, we mean the last part of the verse, things like that. Just help you. But rejecting the mindset of the flesh, 8-5-A, 6-A, and 7-8. So the bulk of this text is talking about that and then pointing us to walking according to the Spirit. But look, at, look back, if you will, in the text in the end of verse 4 when he said, In order that the righteous requirement might, of the law might be fulfilled in us, and that will be fully true when we're glorified, we're on the way now. But then he been a comma. He says, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And now he's going to expand upon that. So he's expanding upon the end of verse four, where he's laid down that contrast between the flesh and the spirit. So first, what is the mindset of the flesh? Look, look back in, in verse five, five, a for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are living according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. I've told you all this before, that the battle is for your mind. The battle is for your mind, which is your heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The battle is for your mind, to take your mind captive. And before we came to Christ, our minds were captive, darkened, in submission, in slavery to evil, right? But this, he's saying here that... that those who live according to the flesh. And by the way, there are only two groups of people. This is another way of separating everybody on the planet. There are two groups of people on the planet. Those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the spirit. You can put everybody on the planet under one of those headings. You're either in Christ or not in Christ. But look at, look at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. They have a certain mindset. They're, they're living according to the flesh. That means they're continuing to think and live as an unbeliever. What, what does it really mean to set your mind on something? And here, to set your mind on the things of the flesh or to have a fleshly mindset. When we set our minds on something, what are, what are we doing? Well, the mind is the center of all mental feeling and faculties. And so to set our minds on something, listen, it means to make this thing the object of my attention, the object of my desire, and the object of my pursuit. So if I set my mind on something, it is the object of my attention, desire, and pursuit. So if my mind is set on the flesh, on on the remnant of sin on fulfilling the desires of the flesh. There's a lot of ways to say that. But if my mind is set on the flesh, my main focus will be pleasing the flesh, doing what it desires. Grab all the gusto you can get. Oh, Schlitz beer commercial. You only go around once. Right? Or McDonald's. No, it's not McDonald's. Burger King. Have it your way. You know, the worldly philosophy. If it feels good, do it. That's the law of the flesh. Right? Remember, the flesh Paul's talking about is this, this mortal body that we live in that is still the home of or it is indwelt by remaining sin. And I'll point you back to sermons. We've already talked about that, so I'll point you back previous. 
It's this dying, unredeemed body. We don't have our new bodies yet. We are new. We're new creation in Christ Jesus. But we still await, Romans 8, and we'll get there, the redemption of our bodies. We still have the remnants of sin. We still have, there's, it's, it's an odd thing that both, that, that old MAPS program is still sort of running in the background. And it's still barking orders at you. It's not as though we've completely shut that off. It's as though whether or not you are following its demands. See, chapter 6 told us that we've died to sin. That means it's rain, but not its presence yet. So like, that, like, like the MAPS program we talked about, the flesh, the sin, remaining sin is still barking out those orders. It's seeking to direct you into the practice of sin. It's seeking to take you captive to leave you in that frustrating situation. Your new spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh are still listening to that old program. They're still obeying the commands, the lusts, the desires of the flesh. Even if religious... There's a lot of religious ways to do this. Think about Jesus' enemies. Some of the most outwardly clean religious people you'd ever want to run into. Full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness and, and religious hypocrisy. See, some of us are like them. Are you a different person at home than you are here in church? You let yourself get away with a lot more stuff in the home? Would we recognize you if we could eavesdrop on you in your house? Are you all sweet and kind and nice to your wife here in church and then a bear when you get home? Well, then you're walking in the flesh. You're pretending, you're playing. And I'm not just picking on husbands. That can be true of wives too. Would your co-workers recognize you as a Christian? If you told them you were a Christian, would they be surprised to hear what comes out of your mouth? I'm not picking on you, but this is serious. And I know we're, none of us are perfect husbands or perfect wives, but we don't use that as an excuse to keep that. You hide your horns with a hat when you come to church on Sunday and then when you get home. The flesh is warring to take you and keep you captive. And those who live according to the flesh are those who are captive to it. Are those whose mind is set on the flesh. Those who, who, who are obeying the flesh and giving into the flesh and indulging the flesh. And that is death. Look at verse 6. To set the mind on the flesh is death. Remember, to set our minds on something is to make it the object of my attention, my desire, my pursuit. To set the mind on the flesh doesn't just lead to death. It does. The, way, the ways of sin is death, but it is death itself. Look at that in verse 6. The, set, the mind set on the flesh is death. That mind doesn't know God. That mind is living in deadness in sin and trespasses. That mind needs to be renewed and redeemed. 
Those who walk according to the flesh are dead in trespasses and sins. And, and you need to know that. If the, if the, if the habitual pattern of your life is, is to pursue the indulgence of you, well, that can't hardly be deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. We can easily be deceived. And listen, my passion for you is that none of you hear from the lips of Jesus, depart from me, I never knew you. I can make you real happy every Sunday and make all this about you and try to make you feel... Wait, that'd be Joel Osteen. Um, The true prophets were hated in the Old Testament. Why? Because they warned people about their sin and they talked about the coming judgment. What is your mindset on? What is your primary mindset? Is it on honoring, glorifying, and enjoying God through His Word and seeking to be more and more like Jesus and grieving when you fall short, treating those around you like Jesus treats you? Is that... Because I don't want you to stand before Jesus and hear Him say, I never knew you. Depart from me. What does it mean? You who practice lawlessness. Look at Matthew 16, 23. This had to be hard to hear. Simon was on the inner circle. Peter was on the inner circle. But when Jesus started talking about the cross and about Christ being sacrificed, he was like, no, never will this happen to you. Right? Sometimes you have to be firm with those you're discipling. And look what Jesus said. Peter tu- Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Woo! I don't want to hear that. Look what he said to Peter. You are a hindrance to me. Why? For you are... Now look at this language. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him set his mind on the things of the spirit and be walking that way. That's an evidence of him being at work in our lives. We don't we don't we don't seek to obey God so he will love us. We we seek to obey him because he has and because he does. Look at the result of the, of the mindset of the flesh quickly. Paul says this in verses 7 and 8, and, and we'll, um, we'll turn it around to look at the, the result of the mindset of the Spirit. But in verse 7, he says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Check that out. If my main pursuit is on indulging the flesh, obeying the flesh, if that's the commands I'm listening to and heeding, Paul says that mindset is hostile to God. What does that mean? That mindset hates God. Notice he's not pointing to any particular feeling here. You, I mean, when, when you say to someone that you hate God, you, you immediately look to your feelings, don't you? Well, I don't feel like I hate God. Well, nobody asks you how you felt. 
If John says in the first, he says this is the love of God, that we might keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. That we might love God and enjoy him and enjoy his ways and seek to walk in them. John says the love of God is to keep God's commandments with joy. So therefore, the flip of that, the hatred of God is not to. Paul says the fleshly mindset is hostile to God. What do you mean, Paul? Now look, he tells tells us, For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Love of God is keeping His commandments. So to walk in opposition to His commands is hatred toward God. Why? The law reveals His nature. If I don't love His law, I don't love Him. Paul says the fleshly mindset doesn't love his law. In fact, walks contrary to it and seeks to justify that. Those who are in the flesh, verse 8, cannot please God. Those who walk according to the flesh cannot please God. Because a fleshly mindset is in opposition to God. It's hatred to God. I am so thankful that the Bible is filled with warnings. And you may avoid them. I would counsel you not to. When Jesus says, those people he told to depart from him, who I never knew you, those were obviously church people. Didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demon in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Yeah, we look good at church. Even participating in some miraculous events. But Jesus said, "Mm -mm. you were practicers of lawlessness. Therefore, you didn't know me. I never knew you. There are people in the church. I pray that there are none in this church. But there are people in the church who, who make a profession of faith, but they don't really know Jesus because it's made evident by walking according to the flesh. And there's warnings all through Scripture, and this is one of them. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 3. Verse 17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Have not really denied themselves and taken up the cross and followed Jesus. Are walking according to the mindset of the flesh. Look in verse 19. Their end is destruction. Depart from me, I never knew you. Their God is their belly or their appetites. And they, they glory in their shame. And they have, look at this. Their minds are set on earthly things. There are many in the churches every Sunday going through religious motions, all the while their minds are set on the flesh. Their minds are set on earthly things. It's all about you, preacher, telling me how I can have a good time here. And I'd rather make you miserable and hate me and be faithful to the gospel than make you enjoy life here and miss out on Jesus. What's the answer to this fleshly mindset, this being dead in sin, this this heeding the commands of this flesh maps command as it drives me around into various sins and indulgence of the flesh? Well, obviously, the answer is the gospel. That's why Christ came. 
He came to save his people by living under his law. He fulfilled the law in thought, word, and deed. He fulfilled all righteousness. He was the spotless Lamb of God who deserved only blessing. The only one in that category. And yet he took our guilt upon himself and he died to pay the penalty for our sins. He took, we, we've already talked about this. I'll point you back to the verse. If you really want a big dose of this, go listen to the sermon on, chapter, on verse 1 of chapter 8. No condemnation. But Christ took our condemnation so that we don't have to take it. He took our hell so that we don't have to endure it. Being God and man, he could drink the cup of God's wrath against his people dry on that cross and say it is finished before he ever left the cross. And here, listen to me, look at me. You may not like to talk about these things. If you could spend 30 seconds in hell and get out, boy, would you love the Lord Jesus Christ. You have no idea what he suffered for you. That condemnation do us was taken by him. That's what it means when it says he died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried. He was raised from the grave, proving it's all true. And he works faith in us as we hear this gospel that we might turn and trust in him. Are you trusting in Jesus this morning? Have you come to that point where you're in conviction over your sin and you're hopeless in and of yourself and in repentance you turn and you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your one and only Savior? If you have done that, it's because He worked grace in you and He's given you a new heart that will want to follow Him and grow in following Him. Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? And would I know it if I was living with you in your house? Would I see evidence of, not of perfection, we're not glorified yet, but of growing in grace? Would I see evidence of you walking according to the Spirit? Let's talk about that a little bit. Y'all forgive me, I'm just terribly not worried about the clock this morning. That's important. Point number two, walking according to the Spirit means embracing the mindset of the Spirit. And we're going to look at the last part of verse 5, verse 6, and then we're going to draw the opposite conclusions from 7 and 8, and we'll talk more about life in the Spirit as we move on in chapter 8. But look, at, look back at verse 5, the contrast. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Notice that walking according to the Spirit, life in the Spirit, is a mind-engaged thing. It's not a mind-disengaged thing. Walking in the Spirit is not, it's not speaking in languages and doing things that, that nobody knows. It's not swinging a coat in a so-called worship service and knocking people down. Go show me a place where Jesus ever slapped anybody on the forehead and knocked them down. Or made their legs longer. Or all kind of foolishness that you see. And I'm not afraid to call it foolishness. Walking in the Spirit is to have your mind engaged on the things of the Spirit. I mean, that's what he says. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Do you remember what it means to set your mind? When we set our minds on something, we make it the object of our attention, the object of our desire, and our pursuit. My attention, desire, and pursuit, then, 
if I'm walking in the Spirit, will be focused on the things of the Spirit. If my mind is set on the Spirit, my main focus will be pleasing the Spirit, not the flesh. I'll be not listening to that MAPS program of the flesh. It's still there. It's still hollering at me, right? But my attention now will be on that MAPS program of the Spirit. See, if you're a Christian, the Spirit dwells in you, and we're going to amplify that next time. Here's where we boil it down. How can my mind, set, how can my mind be set on the things of the Spirit? Does that mean I'm, I'm waiting to hear f- a voice from God to tell me what to do? Some people will tell you yes, but that's not true. Right? The Spirit indwells you and He seeks to guide you. His voice, His map command is in your hand. It's His Word. The Spirit doesn't work apart from the Word now. Sanctify them by their feelings. That's not what Jesus said. By their impressions, by their private revelations. That's not what He said. Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. My attention is focused on the Spirit as my attention is focused here that I might see how to live a life that glorifies God. You do this later. You go look at the parallel passages between Galatians 5 and Colossians 3. One says be filled with the Spirit and the other says be filled with the Word. Same outflow. So as I'm filled with the Word and seeking to walk in that Word, I'm empowered by the Spirit to go down that path. Think about Acts chapter 4. Did the apostles, after being beaten and threatened, did they go back to their room and cry out for God to fill them with the Spirit? Which is not a bad prayer. You should pray that. They didn't. They went back and cried out for boldness and witness. And God filled them with the Spirit, empowered them. Their minds were set on the things of the Spirit not on the things of the flesh. Their minds were set on His Word. The Spirit, listen to me, the Spirit's commands are the Word's commands. You have them. You have the playbook. He's not hiding it from you. And the Word commands and guides us. That is our spiritual maps program that He empowers us to love and to dwell in and to grow in and to walk in. Here is your reliable guide that the Spirit uses. And listen, do you trust Him? All His commands, every one of them, are for your joy. Yes, His glory, but for your good, for your joy, that you might have all things richly to enjoy. Would God have you prioritize worship on His day above whatever else? Yes. And that might seem to crimp your style, but it's good for you. It's good for you to be in worship and it's good for your children to be in worship and it's good for them to know that God is number one and there's sacrifices to be made to make that a reality. All His commands are for your good and your joy that you might enjoy Him first and foremost and then all things He provided provides in the proper way without them being idols. To walk according to the Spirit is to walk in the Spirit's power and under the Spirit's control so that you might understand and walk in His Word.
remember in, in 611, at the end of our theology of sanctification, we, we, we learned that we must consider ourselves dead to sin, to its reign, dead to walking according to the flesh, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, alive to God's reign and walking in the Spirit in Christ. The flesh still tries to boss you around. But you now have the power to say no, to ignore it, and to say yes. It's put off and put on, to be focused on Christ through His Word, to be focused on and dependent upon the Spirit to empower you, to grow in knowing and understanding and keeping His Word, in walking with Christ. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It's not some mysterious thing. Not some mystical thing or unknown thing. Walking in the Spirit is following Jesus in the power of the Spirit according to the Word of God, to the glory of God the Father. So 6b, set your mind. Set your mind on the Spirit. That is life and peace. Set your mind on the Spirit. You are life in Christ. You are alive forevermore in Christ. Walking according to the Spirit is following the path of peace behind the Prince of Peace who's blazed the trail for us and called us to follow Him. And then quickly, let's look at verses 7 and 8 again and draw opposites from that. The mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So the obvious, in the contrast, the obvious, obvious implication is that the opposite is true for walking according to the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit or according to the Spirit is submitting to His law, submitting to His Word. The new heart, by walking according to the Spirit, joyfully obeys the commands of God, joyfully submits to the commands of God, and grieves when it fails. And just bottom line, verse 8 flipped. And we're going to talk more about these things. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Flip it. Those who are walking according to the Spirit can please God. <clears throat> can please God. Not by walking perfectly. Christ has done that for us. But as we strive to follow Jesus, as we grieve over sin and repent of it, as we seek to walk in the way of His commandments, with His Word, that pleases God. That's what He works in us. He works in us to will and to do according to His good pleasure. I mean, he, he, he's, he loves and sings over His children and is pleased with His children. Before, performance-wise, we are perfect. But we are hidden in Christ and we are justified in Christ and we are being sanctified in Christ. And God loves His kids and rejoices over them even when their drawings are less than perfect. Parents, do you have any budding artists in your house? Has your kid ever drawn you? Don't draw your self-perception from that drawing. It's probably less than ideal. But you love it because they love you and they're trying to honor you and they want to draw pictures of you and stuff. He works in us by His Spirit, through His Word, to follow Jesus. And that's what? Life according to the Spirit is. And that's what Paul was talking about in Galatians 5.16 when he said, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Live according to the Spirit and you'll be turning from living according to the flesh. 
I only have one question for you <clears throat> in application today, and I know we're doing Lord's Supper. I'm trying to allow time for that. Are you being sanctified? Because if you're not being sanctified, you're not God's child. If you're not being sanctified, no matter how you dress it up, you're walking in the flesh. Are you being sanctified? Are you being made more like Jesus? Does it grieve you that you fall short of being like Jesus? And is it your purpose? Remember, is your mind set on Christ? Same thing. It's talking about walking according to the Spirit. And is it your desire and pursuit to faithfully follow Him? Are you being sanctified this morning? Because if you have been justified, you will be sanctified and you will be glorified. So if you want to know if God's at work in you by His grace, this morning the exam is, are you being sanctified? Well, let's don't guess about what that means. Remember our question, what is sanctification? 35 from the Shorter Catechism says this. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God, and enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. It's the work of God's free grace. We are two, remember two words. If you don't remember all the exact words, you're, you're renewed and enabled. You're renewed in Christ after the image of God. And you are empowered and enabled by the Spirit to be putting off and putting on. To be following less and less the fleshly MAPS program, and more and more the spiritual MAPS program, to be more and more focused on and devoted to the, the Word of God because you know Christ through it, you know God through it. This is, this is what He would have you be sanctified through. Just that last part of that definition, would the people around you see it true that you're more and more dying to sin and living for righteousness. And that you're doing it because you love God and you love them. That you're doing that because you are trusting fully in the grace of God available in Christ Jesus. Remember our prayer. Go before the Lord. Search me and try me. Know me. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Are you being sanctified? What soul, what soul map program are you f listening to and following? How are you walking and living? According to the flesh or according to the Spirit? Look to Christ. Walk by the Spirit. Live in, the, in and through the Word of God, a life that is pleasing to Him. I'll end the sermon with a quote I, I ran across the other day from H.B. Charles. It says this, If you show me a person whose life is governed by the Word of God... I will show you a person whose life is governed by the Spirit of God. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy on us. I pray for any who, who know that they don't know you. <laughs> if it's your will, I pray that you'd work in their heart that they might realize they need you. And we'll turn in repentance and faith to Christ. I pray for those in the building or listening to my voice by other means who think they know you, but they really don't. 
that you would put the penknife to the gold of their testimony and see whether the gold runs deep or it's just plated. That they might repent and follow Christ. And I pray for those of us who do know you by your grace, that the Spirit has worked faith in us and united us to Christ and their effectual calling, Lord. That we would be clear on what life in the Spirit is. That we would walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. That we would not listen to and heed and focus on all the commands coming at us from the flesh, but that they would, we would listen and heed and focus on your gracious and glorious commands coming to us through your word. That we would truly deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. So work repentance and faith, Lord. Bless and build your church. Help us to know whether or not we truly know you. And I pray, God, please, if it be your will, I pray that none under the sound of your, my voice, including me, would ever hear from you. Lord Jesus, depart from me. I never knew you. Do what only you can do. Work in us faith and nurture that faith in us so that we love and live for you. And even as we transition to the supper, Lord, be at work in us through your gospel. Rest us and root us in Christ. And work in us a, a passion for and a life lived in pursuit of your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and ask it. Amen.